Pete, thanks for coming on the show, man. I appreciate it a lot. Yeah, no sweat, man. Thank you for having me on. No, it's uh, it's awesome to get to talk to you. You have a lot of perspective uh, on a lot of strength sports. You're a very experienced lifter. You have some very, very big numbers under your belt. Um, and I really want to kind of get into, because obviously Westside is a very, very hot topic of conversation. You've been over there. You've done that. And we will get into it. But I'm really interested to kind of get to uh, the kind of the bare bones of what were you doing before then because you had a big pull going over to west side you're a very very strong deadlifter have you always just been freakishly strong is this something that you've worked very very specifically hard on with your lifts where does this come from uh well to start off my training career i started bodybuilding so i kind of became a strong bodybuilder and uh then i'd done a strongman competition for fun and ended up you know and among quite decent Irish strong, messed up second. So I kind of went between bodybuilding and strongman then for a while. And uh, the Irish record at the time, I think, was 380. And I started to then think, oh, I would like to like try and beat that. So when I pulled 360, I knew that the chances were I could get to 381. It's like pretty handy. So I just one day just. I was actually doing a deload for a comp that was coming up and I got the land of a deadlift suit and the first day I tried it, I pulled the 381 and then for just shits and giggles, I thought, well, we'll take the, the lighter weights off and try on 400 and I never knew that 400 was like a big deadlift. Like I knew it was obviously a lot of weight, but I didn't know it was quite a, a good landmark in deadlifting because I wasn't anti-strongman and I wasn't anti-powerlifting. And I, I just kind of like training. I just love training. And uh, sure enough, I pulled it in the gym. I actually got it up. And I was like, fuck, that's cool. I, I'd done that. So then I just, from there, kind of pursued like deadlifting and just kind of went after training and going down to train more and then get to a comp to make it official. And just that's kind of what led my path to where it's at now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that's, that's really interesting, the, the fact that you kind of, you weren't hooked on it. It was just kind of something that came along naturally. You thought, oh, I just want to give it a go. I just want to see if it's there. Do you think that, like, because you were flittering between both <clears throat> the kind of the bodybuilding and the strongman stuff, you weren't really focused on anything too much, so you weren't ever stressing yourself out. It was just kind of like a, oh, it'd be pretty cool if I could do that kind of vibe. Yeah, it was. there was no pressure to it, and I didn't have a bodybuilding show coming up and I was wanting to do a wee bit more strongman training and it's just one of them things that kind of happened naturally. I went into the gym the first time I ever pulled 400, as I said, kind of a deload and I tried on the suit a guy lent me and I pulled 220 and I was like, fuck, I felt like I could have clean and pressed that. Obviously, I definitely couldn't have, but felt really light and I was like, ah, I'll try like 260 and then I'll try like 300 and before you know it, I was like, all right, well, fuck, I'll try 381 the night, even though I probably shouldn't have been doing it. But then when I'd done it, I was like, well, well, happy days. So I just kind of built off the back of that. I actually found something unexpectedly that I was quite good at. I was good at building. I never really finished less than third in bodybuilding. I'd done that for 10 years, but uh, I just found something that I was good at and then stuck with it. So I'll stacking with it, but there's a wee bit more pressure, I think, now with it. So just because I've put it on myself. 
is that because you just feel like you now have like an expectation or a standard whereas back then it was kind of like you were just fucking around so it didn't really matter yeah so now I would like obviously increase you know my pull and try and get it up there with some of the best in the world I think I'm like ranked within the top 15 or top 20 at present but uh, it was then like when I got when I pulled that I got to a comp I pulled 405 at SFN I think in 2017 and then two thousand was it maybe 2018 I missed the 425 but I pulled that at the Irish comp uh, and then I sort of just wanted to pull 430 uh, and then I was supposed to be trying to pull like 440 they wanted me to pull or 450 before I got the invite to the World Deadlift Championships and then I kind of put myself under pressure to just try and pull 440 and it's the only lift I've ever missed but it's the only lift that I've ever tried to do too soon before I thought I'll give it a go and uh, I've missed that now three times but ideally I would love to now that I've kind of ventured into power lifting but just the pull side I would like to try and get as close to a thousand pounds as I can uh, in a powerlifting meet and hopefully do it over when I'm back at Westside. Yeah, I heard you uh, chatting with Louis about that on uh, on his podcast over on Westside Barbell. I think that was really interesting. That's uh, that's very cool. So when yeah. when you obviously started off and you found out that you were just like freakishly good at deadlift, did you find that there was much carryover to like your other events? Obviously, you like am I right in saying you did your bodybuilding? You were doing a strongman, and it's only really now that you've kind of ventured into the powerlifting world, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So this is like pro- really yeah. quite new for you in terms of like your whole training cycles, what you're putting your body through. So I'm interested to see like, was there a big carryover to your strongman? Were there any other like, obviously your standing overhead press and your clean and presses are really fucking impressive for anyone that's seen your Instagram, anyways. So was there any big carryover yeah. with that freak deadlift? Uh, well, like I'm not, I'm not the technically best squatter in the world but I'm, I'm pretty strong at squatting I can like go to Westside and still like join in with the heavy squatters and you know finish a workout with them guys so I like strongman the only thing I don't like about it is the runabout <laughs> so the power lifting bat is good because it's static uh, although my bench I don't really do a lot of bench I do more overhead press work than bench so I don't know if I'm like I'm definitely not a bodybuilder anymore, but with this, like, I'm turning back into one with ration and food and stuff, but... Uh, yeah, it's there, not I optional, the bodybuilding. A... This is just you going into, like, all you've ever known. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of... I can adapt well to this, but I'm a germaphobe, so I'm, like, staying in the house and I have asthma, but asthma is usually because I'm heavy and, like, kind of eat like a fat guy so uh i just pulled back what i'm eating at the minute and started doing a wee bit of cardio just to help me breathe better and stuff but uh, and how are you finding that you feel like it's having yeah, an effect I, yeah i actually feel really good at present like uh, my my training and stuff still going okay I, I have a gym in the garage so i'm not stuck to train uh i just finished squatting today i was at two my last day it was 260 against like purple bands but there wasn't much tension maybe like 15 kilo each band 290 at the top i think so but i think just in general strength being strong at the key movements carries over to most things 
Yeah, I think I think you're you're incredibly right there, and I think you only have to look at that because I mean I'm sure you probably found this, but although you were working strongly on your overhead, your bench was probably still, in regards to even strong people, a very respectable bench. When you're comparing it to the best benches in the world, it's a completely different story. Uh, it, <laughs> the, the weights those guys bench are absolutely insane. It's more than lots and lots of people squat. So to, to kind of to have yeah. the carryover, obviously there's going to be big, big benefit for you there. Yeah, I just I find I know like some guys also that are good deadlifters but awful squatters. So when you see they pull a big deadlift but they can't squat a lot. But I think in the key movements, I tend to be like I'm pretty good squatter. My best squat's three seventy, and my best deadlift's four thirty. So in the two movements, so I'm pretty good at both of them. So you always feel like the the bench is is kind of like too much of a weak link to make you feel confident going into a full powerlifting meet, or would you just stick to a pull meet? Well, I want to do just the pull one, so I get a number on the board. But I will do if I could do a full power meet. My best, well, my best half bench was two hundred and twenty-seven kilo, and I tore my left pec, and then my first powerlifting meet. Or first pull part left to meet. I never trained. I trained grip twice in my life, and uh, then I tore my bicep off on the left side as well, pulling that nine oh five. So, but now it's tore off. It's that's all right. So I can't tear it twice. <laughs> so did you get? Did you get anything reattached? Did you get that put back on, or is that now just rolled up? No, it's just rolled up. So next week we ball. <laughs> Wonderful. So have you, uh, obviously, because you're deadlifting with that arm underhand, you're not having to utilize that bicep like as much. Um, obviously, keeping the tricep flex is going to protect it. But are you now having to completely work around that for everything else in your training? No, the only thing that got me bothered doing was actually one week in the gym just messing about. I, like, one press a hundred kilo sandbag and the clean with the sandbag with hands this way throwing it up was the only thing that ever actually hurt my bicep after it happened and I don't have any tacky at present so I'm not doing my stones down the stairs but uh, I don't know if it'll hurt doing stones but pull them like I, I done a meet four weeks after I tore it off and I, I just put a sleeve on it and I still pulled 385 so it was like and I kept my hand that underhand still that way and it was fine. So so it didn't feel anything feel through it. it like the bicep and... tendon felt all right. It didn't feel like it was rolling up anymore. Like there was just nothing. No, no. It was it was the only thing I was actually scared of going on in my first meet. It was like, fuck. What happens if I tear my bicep? And I'm like, I ain't going to tear my bicep. And when I pulled nine oh five and got it close to look out, I just. Felt like I was like, ah, oh, fuck, after my bicep. I just kind of looked, it was like slow motion, and I was like, shit. But, pardon me for swearing. No, but, that's fine. <laughs> just, I don't know, sometimes the things you're scared of when they happen, they're not as bad as you think. And uh, it was actually a blessing in disguise that I was at Westside because them guys made me keep training. So I knew if I was back home, the guys that I normally train with and stuff, I'd have probably felt sorry for myself to rest up for a while and, you know, 
a week or four weeks after it, and Louis was like, pull from a pan today. That was on the Monday, and there was like, pull from a high pan. And uh, I went back, and the first week I'd done stuff just on ATP, and the second week it was like, start pulling again. And I just started to try pulling double overhand at hook grip. And uh, them guys just made me, I got up to 300 my second week back with hook grip, and my thumbs felt like I just gained like old man arthritis really fast. So they were sore all week. But the blessing in disguise was that being at Westside, them guys just didn't let you stay up. And the, before the meet, or the week of the meet on the Monday, Lou told me to pull off a high pin and just no straps, and I pulled 380 on the Monday off a high pin, and then went to the meet on the Saturday and pulled the same off the floor. I actually find it harder on my grip pulling off a high pin anyhow, or pulling off anywhere. When you're from the floor, thing left, so your grip is, it doesn't feel as bad. That's very interesting. Yeah, I kind of I see what you mean there. And you obviously got the a little bit of the momentum to help you out there. Trying to pull from a pin where you just don't have any momentum, it is it's just a horrible yeah. horrible lift. So I'm interested to to, to kind yeah. of get get into uh, what were you doing outside of obviously like you said you went back very very quickly and you were just continuing to deadlift from high pins. Did you do any rehab for for this kind of coming back into your training cycles, or was this just literally like chuck a sleeve on, everything will be okay, like just fuck it, let's go? Uh, I didn't I didn't do a lot of rehab work if I'm honest. Uh, I bought a Compex when it happened to put tension on it, and uh, I just kind of. Try. I always like when I was at Westside during the day. I would have went to the office and stuff, and I'd have sat about and talked to people. But when I went for my groceries and stuff, I always just kept using my sore arm. It's kind of like when you have a sore tooth and you you don't you're not meant to poke at it, but you always poke at it. So I just kept using my sore arm. Like I was carrying groceries out to the car, I would have been like trying this arm. So I'd have tried like carrying my groceries in on that arm and just kept trying to do stuff normally with this arm and uh, I never kept it up, up the way like that because I knew that if it got tight that's probably the wrong place for it to be getting tight so when I went to bed and stuff I always slept with my arm down the way and there was a massage therapist guy over at Westside when I was there and he would have sort of just every day we were in would have sort of rubbed at it and poked at it and just said to me just keep moving it but Louie would have said to him it's fine He'd be okay, and the massage dad was like, "All right, he'll be fine. Just give it a wee rub and a poke, and that was that." When Louis says it's going to be I, fine, everything is fine, like, like no matter what. <laughs> yeah, well, Louis was like, "Look at me, I have no biceps. I've lost the both of mine." So I'm like, "Oh well, fair enough." So, but no, he's like, "Just think was, yourself lucky you've still got one." Yeah, <laughs> it was a good place for it to happen, and look, it's. It's one of them things. It was like I, I pulled the pull before it, beat the Irish powerlifting record, I think, and the, the next pull was just like if I'd have quit or I'd have flew home and been like, oh, I hurt my arm. I guess them guys would have been like, well, you're a bit of a pussy, and when you get hurt, you run home to your mummy and daddy. So, like, I ain't gonna run home. I'm just if they told me it was fine, I just went with what they said and it was fine. And in fact, I tore it on the Saturday and on the Monday. We were, there's a bank of pictures on Instagram 
but we're doing good tomorrow on the Monday. So, like, I was trying to hold the Mars bar and, like, one hand down there, and it was just like, oh, man. So... I love that though because I it, 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 it goes to show even, like but... if you if you're in an environment like that where you've got people that are pushing you and they're not giving you the chance to make that excuse for yourself like I would have done the exact same thing that you were talking about there like I would have been super super cautious about it like I wouldn't have wanted to train on it and then, if anything that's probably going to have done it more harm not doing anything with it but like you said yeah. keeping it moving keeping a bit of stress and strain on there not overdoing it too much finding those alternative methods that take a little bit of the load off there but still force you to use your arm as you would i think there's a great yeah. point there that people should actually not fear away from their injuries quite as much as they do because i think by you know keeping you up here like it completely offsets everything in the shoulder then you're jacked up you can't open the pec out as yeah. much there's so many carryovers yeah so i just i fully trust them what them guys say if if my arm was hanging off and they told me it'd be fine i'd be like well he's broke his back twice he's kind of done a lot he's seen a lot more athletes and i've seen him or no if he says it's going to be fine i'm just like oh well that's why I'm there. I, I trust what he tells me. So if he said it was fine, I was like, all right, I'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, getting into kind of going over to Westside, obviously uh, it's it's the kind of, it's the founding place of the conjugate method. I've spoken about it multiple times on this podcast with numerous guests. Um, how did you find yeah. going over into that training style obviously it's very very new for a lot of people so the adjustment period is from what i've heard pretty rough uh <laughs> so how did you find that kind of going over there well my coach or the, the guy that helps me train my coach Tommy graham uh at that time he had trained over in westside like loads of years before I had ever went over and uh, my goal was obviously try and get the World Deadlift Championships and didn't seem to maybe be happening so I just thought to myself well I have no training partners I don't really train with anybody and I don't really know what all the West Side stuff's about although I was using bands and deficits and chains and stuff training with Sammy because he understood the method through some of the guys and they said yeah come on over and uh it just sort of went from there from what i'd read about it i thought some of it like the friday a dynamic effort day i was like Fuck, dynamic effort seems kind of easy maybe like 50 60 percent against bands so like my first day i was lying on the floor outside booking i remember like westside versus the world had just come out before i went over and i remember reading th like going up and down don't be like on your phone don't be you know if you're getting it tight so on that friday i was standing thinking oh no i need to sit down and that was like third set and i think we were doing five sets then i came around to the fourth set it was like three of us in a rotation i came to the fourth set and i was like don't sit down and i was i need to sit down in fact i need to get out so i remember going to the front door and just like sitting then lying then being sick then getting, hey, motherfucker, it's your set. And I'm like, oh, back up, and another set. And I was like, that was the first time I'd tried dynamic effort day. 
and from what I read, it sounded easy. Friday is the worst day in the world. It's the only day. It's the only day when you finish Wednesday and you get Thursday as a break. You're like, oh shit, tomorrow's still Friday. So yeah, it's pretty you start hard. getting those like nervous palpitations because you just know what you've got coming. It's like the inevitable yeah. storm that you can't run away from. You can just feel its presence uh, ever looming closer. Yeah, Thursday's not a good day because Friday's next. <laughs> and you know what? So, Saturday is the like, best day in the world after a Friday. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I don't. I don't actually mind squatting, train, like training legs. The thing is, if there's five of you in a group, and say two guys didn't turn in, you're like motherfucker, because obviously the two guys gets you a longer break. So yeah, <laughs> so, you're just basically working in one after another in a set, aren't you? Just literally like walking, basically walking around yeah. like a monolith or a rack yeah. or whatever. So you guys are getting how much rest do you reckon you're getting between sets doing that? Well, some really catches you bluffing, you know, when you're setting up at the bar, I'd be like, Phew. and they'd say, fuck me, Ireland. <laughs> I'm like, all right, all right, I'm taking my time. But uh, I don't, it, it goes on, like I used to, I've videoed some of my workouts there, and I think, like with three or four of us, you could have a squat session. The squat part of that Friday workout done within 35 minutes. Okay, okay, that's so not bad, but that's a fun. lot of volume in a very short space of time. Yeah. Yeah, as you said, it's not bad. It sounds not bad, but it's fucking hard at the time. Try doing it. Yeah, it's that whole thing of like, on paper, this looks so unassuming. You're like, okay, working against bands, it can't be that hard. Oh, that's quite a lot of repetitions. Yeah. This should be pretty easy. And then you're like, oh, yeah. everything I thought about this is completely wrong. Um, and my body is literally dying. Yeah, yeah and there's like, it's not round the... One part of the monolith, there's like a block of four by two timber beside that as well. So the band has looked round, so the bands are tighter than they would be if you just put them on a normal monolith. So it's, yeah, it's tough. But at the end, of, that's why them guys have numbers and squats in the world. You know, so I know gear powerlifting isn't as popular now, but like whenever Louie comes on and sits in front of the monorack, you just have to work and it's like, he doesn't give anybody an easy time. No, but I think that's, you know, it's it's that whole thing of when someone who is that much of a perfectionist takes his time to come down and watch you, you're like, oh man, I really can't screw this up now. Like, I have to be on form a thousand percent or I'm going to feel like such a dick. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, the other guys don't let you away with anything either. It's like everybody wants to beat each other and make sure that you get the workout done, but it's that thing of pushing each other. You, you can't do it on your own because, like, I've come back from Westside, I've been down the stairs, I'm like, I'll go in the day and do what we've done, we'll do five by five, and it'll only take me half an hour, and it's like an hour and ten minutes, and I'm like, what the fuck? He's like, I've done this in 35 minutes, but at the end of it, it's because people's telling you, it's like, your turn, your turn, and you're like, right, you don't want to quit so it's a as people always say it's a one person sport it kind of is but when you have a competition you're always against people when you're training people so yes it is you versus you but you're trying to outdo the people you compete with or the people you train with so you know it takes a, a, a team of people to obviously get you to best I think that's probably why these places are as successful as they are, because they are kind of 
this melting pot of athletes that just want to be the strongest people on the face of the earth in whatever their given respective lifts are, whether they're a full-on powerlifter, a puller, a presser, you know, and when you're surrounded by that on a daily basis, it kind of rubs off on you and that kind of competitive nature starts really kind of getting getting you going and getting you rolled up and going, okay, actually, well, you know what, I'm not going to let Jim get five pounds extra on his squat over me today. Fuck that guy. I'm going to yeah. do 10 pounds on him. And then you do it and you go, oh, wow, I didn't actually realize that yeah. I had that in me. But because I was so G'd up for this, I've actually discovered that my potential is so much more than I actually thought. Yeah. Can I grab my charger two seconds? Because yeah, it's just no flashed off with my bar. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Two seconds. Oh, it hasn't It's alright. You can edit that one, I can't. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. No problem. The joys of post production. I think that's it now. There we go. Sorry, yeah. Super, all good? Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. So, in no, you terms... Were it, so, you're, yeah. so, no, no, carry on, it's cool. Yeah. No, I was just saying, you were saying about everybody pushing each other. And, uh, it definitely does help. And the thing about at Westside as well is obviously, like, if you're not pulling your weight, they just chuck you out. So, <laughs> you just make sure that you go in and do as you're told. But it's also, it's a, it's a lifestyle, isn't it? Like, I think that's the other thing that a lot of people forget is that Westside, it's not just a gym, you know? You're not just hopping in there for, like, one or two hours a day. Like, you live, eat, breathe, sweat, bleed in that gym because it is your life yep. for however long you choose to be there for. And that's why those guys are the strongest people in the face of the earth because guess what? They're not spending two hours a day in there, you know? They're spending six, seven, eight hours a day doing not only their training but they're getting their treatments they're making sure they're eating their meals you guys just live and breathe it right yeah it's a, it's a mentality i think it's like kind of strong through it all mentality so like i eat my bicep for example it's like never did anybody like pat you in the back and be like oh you know sorry to hear about your arm it was like to be honest it's a minor injury it happens in powerlifting all the time so like, I'm not the first guy that's come in there with my arm bruised up and they're like, does it bled out yet? Oh, it's certainly bled. Good. That's right. Jump on that. Do that. Do something. It's like, all right. So there isn't a, there isn't a sympathetic factor, which is good. And the chances are, like, regardless, like if you blow your kneecaps off, somebody in there has done it. So you're not going to go in and hero for blowing your knees off. They're just going to be like, okay, well, looks like you're benching. So, <laughs> I love well, that you mentality. can always do something. So, yeah, that's very true. That's very true, and I think that's the thing that people get get hooked up on with injuries. Is you know they injure one thing and they think you know that's completely it. 
It's like, no, I think, you know, you can look at everything from two perspectives, can't you? An injury to a lot of people is this bad negative thing where you can't use that part of your body anymore. And now <laughs> I've been injured more times than I care to admit uh, through foolishness and stupidity most of the time. But it's it, it's a case of, you know, I've completely fucking lost my train of thought now. <laughs> I guess, I guess when you get injured, you see how good you are. Yeah, like that, that, that's it. Like, you, that, you, you get to it. focus on those other points. So, like, for me, I, I tore my pec in half completely. I couldn't get it reattached. It's through the belly of the muscle. But it gave me an opportunity to then work on my squat, my deadlift, my core, all these other things. And then guess what? When you're at a point where you can come back to it, all that other stuff that you've done helped you to bring that back up and it's like okay yeah. well that that's how you get back to it quicker and like the way you've done it is like that but to the biggest extreme where you haven't even had that kind of cooling off period it's like okay well straight back into it like that that there's always something that you can be doing so get stronger at this and then we'll figure the rest out later yeah yeah because i need stronger hats and hamstrings hats glutes hamstrings so i don't need an army have stronger hats glutes and hamstrings i just need to like it was working on the ATP machine against bands and stuff like that, and like that blows your ass up. So I feel like a silverback gorilla after doing that. <laughs> so, um, in terms of you know, you're talking about that that you trained by yourself for a very long time. Obviously, when you go over to West Side, it's a completely different environment. You've got that group environment. Now you've come back. Does it feel really weird? Are you going back to just training by yourself? Obviously, as we are at the moment, you're kind of forced to do so. But prior to uh, the kind of the, the, sh the lockdown, the quarantine, self-isolation, were you wanting to train in groups to kind of get that vibe back again? Was that something that you were clinging on to? Or were you just kind of back to like, ah, I'm back home now. Like that was me over there and this is me here. Yeah, you don't. It's, it's hard to get that vibe uh, anywhere else, and it's I guess the people that are that you train with there are all very hardcore. Mentality is the same, and uh, it's good to be around people like that if that's what you love to. If you love lifting, that's they're the people to be around. And the when I was there for like the three months last time, there the people I was around were always like lifting orientated, so I never like actually spoke to somebody that wasn't lifting or somebody that hadn't done powerlifting or somebody like one of the older Westside guys. When I come back here and train, uh, the guy Chesey helps me out. Up. He's good at motivating you and getting in your head as well. So like, I would train with him and then I trained with another big fella, Phil Morgan, down in his gym. And they were doing a couple of lads trained with him and they would all kind of shout it and push you on a wee bit. But it's not the same. I got my visa pass back to Westside and was meant to be there now at present for like six months uh, after getting all my visa stuff sorted. So if there's a travel ban stuff and, you know, America's kind of gets safer or whatever, as long as I get out before September, I'm still allowed in the States for six months. So I'm just, at the minute, I'm just making sure that I'm doing all the training I have to to hopefully go there and get ready to do a meet and get my name on the board in. So 
so when you're saying that you're doing all it's of your training, things, I, guess it, I mean, it's funny, you know, you saying that you're in training to go to a gym to train, like, that in and of itself is just a crazy yeah. ideology, isn't it? But are you, uh, are you just kind yeah. of solely focusing on building up those hammies? I remember Lou was saying, like, hammies, lower glutes, and if you built those up, then you'd be an absolute freak, so... Not that you're not already a freak, but um, uh, what are you doing now in prep to go back to Westside? I'm just doing the stuff that I done when I was there. So uh, I done my deadlifts this week off uh, two or raised up two inches. Uh, I done. I didn't actually work up my max because my bar downstairs maybe holds like three eighty or something three or four hundred right back. Uh, but I just I done I done started doing more volume stuff and then I started doing more glute ham raises every time and uh, bell high rep dumbbell hamstring curls stiff legs good mornings so instead of squatting now like every week I'll do a squat week and then a a good morning week where I'll just like use volume for good mornings but try and really feel my hamstrings uh, doing things like pull throughs as well and just. Just anything that I know that can make my posterior chain stronger and my hamstrings and glutes and obviously a lot of core work and stuff as well. So, yeah, of course. So those good mornings, uh, is that off of pins or is that just literally freestanding? Yeah. No, I've, these ones this week were on a safety bar off of pins, so start at the bottom and up. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that utilised so, with Westside a lot and it looks like a very, very good variation. Not that I've tried it myself, but it's... Uh, it's, it's interesting because, of course, you've now got this huge repertoire of all of these band chain and every single probably variant that Louis has under his sleeve with, with all of these different motions. So how did you find kind of adapting your training coming back? Because, of course, you go there with this one ideology of how you've trained your entire time. You're exposed to someone like Louis who has just the most incredible uh, a volume of knowledge on absolutely everything lifting with every variation known to mankind now when you come back into your own training have you found that to be uh, a help is it a hindrance because there's so many variants that you're trying to cycle through have you already got a plan that you're just slowly working your way through how are you programming yourself now uh i still do a lot of this that we would have done on Westside, you can actually like try and make your own ATP out of bands, you know, running across the power rack and hooking the bands on your belt and just working and stuff that's good for your glutes as well. Uh, but I, was, I just keep training, just make sure again, doing the basics, my squat, my deadlift, working my core, hamstrings, and doing what exercises I've learned over with them guys and just trying to implement them here. Might not be as heavy because. You know, there's not like five of us and somebody slapping you in the back and saying you're doing it, motherfucker. So, you know, but at the same time, it's what I've done has helped me. And when I've been there, I've learned quite a lot. And uh, I just try and implement it into my training as best I can. And then at present, just being obviously being in this lockdown and doing a wee bit more cardio, I've actually just increased my volume of some of my training as opposed to going like max effort all the time. I'll just like maybe increase the volume so deadlifts this week was like eight sets of two so just for doubles a lighter weight but you're still straining by the time you get to set six seven eight 
So, and are you working off percentages, or just working off how the body feels that day? Because I know, obviously, West Side they they don't work uh, as kind of strictly with some other kind of programs in terms of the weight and, and ranges you need to be hitting. That that it's a little bit more open ended. So, what are you doing now? I should say I'm working off RPE. <laughs> <laughs> so now. I, uh, I don't know. I just went up there. We hit the or this week. I think it was three twenty of uh, a two inch height, and I, I started at three twenty and went for eight cents of doubles. Just thinking that I don't need to go as heavy because, like next week, then I can do the same height of uh, mats, and then maybe go three forty for eight cents of doubles or something. So I just change things up. I just. I just train. I enjoy training, but I, when I come home from Westside this time, I had a two-week break, and then went back down into the garage and thought, I'll just do 300 a day and do like 10 sets of two or something. I'll not go heavy. And uh, I actually ended up, because I hadn't done anything for two weeks, it was like sore shit. And the first, like after the first three sets, I'm just being stubborn. I was like, this is my man to be light so I can finish it. So, like, finished it and then was in agony for like a week and a half so <laughs> I, I just have learned to just like build it back up again slowly uh, I didn't actually realise how tired you get whenever you're you know training at Westside all the time so uh, when I come back from that like a two week t- time off was nice to just try and recover again for a while well it's interesting you say that and I feel like right that's now. kind of one of the points that a lot of people that like to poo poo on west side talk about is that it is just so intense it is just so much for your body obviously you spoke about the fact you that you tore up your bicep while you were there like is your body just feeling beaten to shit every day and what are you doing to get around that oh going on to meet you going on to meet i feel good because you do your like certain max stuff and then you rest and you train down going into a meet, so like the 10 days to 2 weeks before going into a meet I wasn't really doing too much so it was pretty easy uh, and I was rested and recovered obviously that's why I pulled I think like 410 and I pulled uh, as fast as I've ever pulled it with straps on, in fact I pulled it probably easier than I ever pulled it with up. straps on, so the method yeah, so the method the method works and I felt absolutely great going into it uh I guess it just depends. You you are supposed to feel beat up after training. I don't think there's any like strong powerlifter or strong man at the end of the week goes fuck. I feel great. Like you know, you're. I think when you know you're training hard enough at the end of the week, you probably feel like you're been given a barn. You know, you're glad when it comes to the weekend to like do very little or you know just rest and eat. So, uh, I guess you're. In the gym for like two hours in the morning so you have a lot of time to recover and do stuff it just depends if you want to do it yeah so talking about eating what do you what were you kind of doing over at west side have you bought any of it back are you just kind of returning back to how you were prior west side obviously i know in this current corona crisis uh, we've got a lot of people that are just going to be eating, you know, whatever they've got lying around that aren't really worried about meal prep too much. So, what are you doing now? 
Well, um, I obviously started at the the eating end of the spectrum because bodybuilding is a sport really based around eating. It's not based around how heavy you can lift or how hard you can train. I know there's bodybuilders that obviously train heavy and hard, but hypertrophy is the aim of the game and like restricting your calories and chicken and rice and fish and fucking sweet potato. And I done like ten years of that stuff. I can hear like really the PTSD like kicking in there as you're talking about it, like you're getting all these flashbacks <laughs> of you know being like five percent yeah. body fat and eating another bowl of fucking rice and fish. Like no, yeah, yeah. The portions are the portions are small and it's it's not a performance sport; it's an aesthetic sport. So then when it came to trying to like gain weight, I actually eat a lot of rubbish. Uh, I'm not one of these people that go, oh, I had a tub of ice cream and I feel like my body is like, feels like shit. It's like, it doesn't to me. Food is just fuel and like, calories to get them in. I get them in however I can. It's obviously easier eating a tub of Ben and Jerry's than it is eating three chicken breasts and a big bowl of rice. And tastier as so, well, funnily enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, just, it's amazing how, how many tubs of ice cream you could eat in a week. Like, <laughs> but as for, I don't really... I don't watch my diet so much. I don't just to try and get my weight down so my breathing was easier. Uh, but again, all I'd done was just cut down my food. Like tonight, I'm going back to the old school and having like homemade chips and beans and sausages. <laughs> so I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not exactly... I'm not exactly... <laughs> and at Westside, they don't... You know, like Lou doesn't say to you, "Did you eat asparagus today?" Or you know, they don't give a shout where you eat; they just give a shout where you laugh. So, in terms so, of obviously, like being in America, like whenever you're in a different country, obviously you're not getting a hold of the same sources of food that you were usually. So, going out to the states was anything kind of like a big change for you in terms of like their ways of eating compared to here? Did you kind of do anything differently? Were you just like, hey, let's supersize that Big Mac, baby, let's go. (laughs) Uh, uh, They're they're king of eating. Uh, No, I I like the fact that it was bottomless Coke floats and uh, bottomless fries and stuff. To me, I like my value for money as well. So I'm like, there's a lot of calories. I actually just looked at the menu and been like, that's a thousand and some calories. I'll have that in a cook float. Like that's that's actually when you bought, you used to like left groceries and be like, oh, that, then we heart these jellies are only ten calories. Now you're like toffee pudding, <laughs> calories. Fuck, I'm taking that. <laughs> so yeah, I don't mind it. Again, for me, fit is fuel, and I'm I'm not supposed to be a really, really heavy guy. I have a fast metabolism. Uh, I cut down weight very quick and it takes me a while to put it on uh, because I have a pretty fast metabolism it's, it's fine I kind of get away with eating a bit of junk yeah 100% and obviously you're, you're putting in a lot of work so now coming back are you how many times a week are you training a what sorry now you're back how many times a week are you training uh, four. Four. So obviously but, if you've got a fast metabolism and you're about. training, you know, you're, you're going to be able to get through a lot of food. And like you said, you, you just upped cardio as well. So what are you doing for cardio? Uh, 30 minutes a day on a spin bike. 
Okay, so, fantastic. And I, I, I probably won just eat three meals a day now. So I actually, I wake up in the morning and take a greens drink because alkalizing. I'm like, again, I said I'm a germaphobe, so I'm like in a more alkaline state. Apparently, viruses and cancer don't survive. So <laughs> I actually wake up first thing in the morning. I drink a greens drink. I take a host of vitamins, and then I leave it till I'm hungry. Like. I might take that at 8 or 9 o'clock and then I might eat at 11 or 12 and that would be my first meal and like I thought my my first meal today was just like shredded wheat and a protein shake uh, and then I came down here or went down and had a, a, a litre and a half of fluid went down and trained came up, ate a tin of creamed rice some honey and a protein shake and then after that saw me chaps and sausages and beans and then before I go to bed I might have like an omelette so there's really not a lot of eating in the day yeah well it, it, it's probably to, to an extent kind of uh, quite a refreshing thing to not constantly having to be thinking about food or prepping food or eating. getting everything ready because obviously that's a huge yep. proponent that I think a lot of people really don't one they don't really see it Two, they don't really respect it. And three, they don't really understand what it's like when you are in a position where you're like, okay, I'm presented with the fact that I now need to consume five to 6,000 calories a day. I've got, you know, X, Y, and Z windows between clients or work or training or meetings or whatever. And I have to find a way to get like five 1,000 calorie meals in throughout a day. It's like that in itself is a logistic nightmare for people that do not understand what it's like. Yeah. Um, when I done volleyball, dieting was hard. I was very religiously good at it. Uh, like if I cheated on my diet and ate a jelly bean, I would have like sucked the jelly bean through it out and then made myself do five minutes extra cardio. So I was pretty good at being disciplined when it came to eating. But it's even harder when you're trying to get big, especially because like I eat junk food. So even like trying to put on weight, it's like you get fed up eating pizza. You get fed up eating ice cream. It's like you don't want to eat chicken and rice because you know that it hasn't really any value calorie-wise to getting bigger. So it's like a diet meal. And then you're like, why do you not eat pizza? And eat. It's like, no, I just don't want to eat. I hate eating. But actually, as you say, it's quite refreshing not to be eating as the last few weeks and having my meals cut down and maybe doing my cardio. I actually feel like my metabolism is coming back. Some days I'm like, fuck, I'm starving. Like, I can eat my dinner and then I'm like, I could eat another one. But it's nice. It's, I actually feel healthy for not force feeding as much. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think it's, it's that whole thing that we've kind of we've all been forced to have our lifestyles completely changed the way that we operate about things completely changed so this new kind of like yeah. adaptive phase is obviously it's hard for a lot of people but it's also going to take our focal points away from a lot of things that we thought was important and put it on other things like you said like you've now been doing cardio you're getting fitter that in and of itself, you know, I'm not a scientist by any stretch of the imagination, but if you're better at utilizing oxygen, chances are when you're getting into your high rep volume work, you're probably going to be able to do a little bit more. You're probably going to be able to fight off the lactic acid a little bit yep. more, and you're probably going to be able to get a little bit more out of your body. So even though it's a completely polar opposite sport to what you're trying to do, even in that, you have yeah. a carryover. Yeah, 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, because it's like Westside preach your general physical preparedness and stuff, you know, so be out dragging sleds and, you know, you do need fitness work because even if it is only three big deadlifts, like you need to have enough recovery to recover between attempt one, attempt two and attempt three. So it's not like run the marathon, but it is still there's a lot of people that if you're fit, you can do the three lifts pretty handy. So do you think when this is kind of all said and done with this kind of taste of dipping your toe in the water here, do you feel like maybe you're going to implement bringing this into your training cycle regularly in terms of just keeping up with the cardio for general fitness? Or is this something that's yeah. just kind of like a nice novelty for now, but when we're back to it, I'll probably be back to pizzas and, uh, and, and warming up with a bar. Oh, well, I'll add, I never, I don't know anyhow, I just do it at a separate time of day, but I'll definitely keep it in because the fitness aspect was something I was probably missing. And it was, you know, by the time you do a workout and stuff, you don't really want to go out and drag a sled. And you don't, you know, so now, in my eyes, I'd probably start off a wee bit lighter, but I'll have a better base because I'll be lighter and fatter. And then, you know, it's helping that my metabolism seems to be coming back and I actually want to eat more. So I think it's probably, it's, you can't say that being fat doesn't help you anyhow. Like being big is good, but if you're big and you can't do anything, it's not really functional. And don't get me wrong, like you're, you're not going to see like a 22 stone dude or something doing like a lot of calisthenic stuff and being really functional. But I need to also be fat and have a fat heart and lungs just for what I do anyhow. So I guess for a long time I kind of put it off, and now that I'm laying in a house and I have a span downstairs, it gets me down the stairs for half an hour, you know. I get to stand up and then do a bit of abs, so maybe I can take an hour out of messing about out of my day, and then I can go down and train at a later point in the day as well. So yeah, I like it. So I actually just have never, I never stuck with it. When I finished bodybuilding, I'd done so much cardio, dieting and stuff, like working for an hour a day and stuff. So when I finished that and went into strongman, I was kind of like fuck cardio. Really want to do cardio anymore, so I just kind of. I think that's why I don't like moving events because I was, you know, I'd do it, but I can do them and be all right at them, but because I wasn't fit, it like killed me for the rest of the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you just like, I, you know, that there's no pain quite like being forced to do like a max distance, like carry event or something. People, people will never yeah. understand how disgusting your hamstrings feel after doing like a Husafel max distance carry or something when you're really sat back into those hamstrings and you're literally going until you're going until your legs actually give out like you're pretty much just getting to that point your legs are in pain for so long after just one event if that's at the beginning of the day oh man yeah 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 you're fucked <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah! Absolutely toast. Absolutely toast. Well, I'm, uh, I'm really that, interested. That, Sorry, carry that's on. Real. That's a real good way to ruin your day. Yeah, 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 yeah! Exactly, exactly. Nothing better than some lovely lactic acid-filled hamstrings. So, um, in terms of yeah. uh, 
finishing up, I'm really interested to ask you a question. I ask everyone, and I think it's brilliant because everyone brings something a little bit different to the table. And I want, for a second, for you to take a step back and imagine you're taking a trip back in time. You are going to meet your younger self, you know, between kind of like 10 to 15, you know, a very impressionable age where you're learning a lot about yourself and life and how you work in this world. And you get a few moments to present you know, uh, a bit of wisdom, knowledge, whether it's a quo, a, a way to live your life, to help you get through all of the stuff that you have gone through now to get to where you are today. What bit of advice are you going to give to yourself? Uh, I if you feel you have a gift, pursue it. Like, if you feel that you're gifted at something and you could be good at something, pursue it. I, that's what I do now at present. But uh, I guess when you're 10 or 15, you're always being told that you need to work hard. And you do. You're, if you're stuck in school, I didn't do a lot when I was at school. But looking back, I was still there every day. So it would have been smarter to work while I was there because I was there anyhow. So the only person that lost out was me. Uh, don't get me wrong, I was I never had any hopes or dreams to be anything, so I guess that's why I kind of cling to I'm quite good at this and I go full steam ahead doing it and try and get better at it and be the best in the world, hopefully at some time. But I guess if you if you feel you have a gift, go after it and pursue it. And you shouldn't you know look down on anybody or you shouldn't look up to anybody. We're all kind of equal, but uh, do something to be remembered by. There's a lot of headstones in the cemetery that that's the only thing people are remembered by. And if that wasn't there, nobody would have knew who they were. So I don't know. I think that's Trying awesome. Mark the word and just be good to help. That's awesome. I think you're, you're so right on what you say there, where people, you know, they don't necessarily follow their hopes and dreams because they think that they can't or they think that they won't or they feel like they'll get judged for doing it. But if you do take that time to work and develop on the things that you're passionate about, I think ultimately you are always going to succeed at it. And you are living proof, my friend. You are living, breathing proof of exactly that. And I'm very, very excited to see what happens when we get you back over to the States and, uh, and get you over at Westside. I'm very excited to see the numbers that you're going to pull. And I'm very, very excited to eventually see that name up on the wall at Westside Barbell. And I hope you smash it you do as yeah. much as you possibly can when you're over there you learn as much as you can and you just keep on growing because i think there's there's still many 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 years of very successful heavy lifting ahead of you yeah fingers crossed <laughs> thank you very much for coming on the show man i really appreciate you being here it's been awesome chatting with you no sweat buddy thank you very much nice to have me on